Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Charlotte Hornets. Let me tell you something. Charlotte sports fans are like a man lost in the desert looking for an oasis. Charlotte sports fans are are like a man lost in the wilderness needing something to eat. They've been watching terrible product after terrible product for a couple of years now. And I am not above celebrating a three-game winning streak in a lost season going into the All-Star break like it is one of the greatest things that we've seen in the last decade in Charlotte professional sports. Because while it's not it's not that far away. I mean, last night, the Hornets won again. They beat the Hawks in the final game before the NBA trade deadline. They will go into an eight-day vacation, 3-0, and since acquiring basically half a new team. And I'll tell you what, I, we had this discussion yesterday in the 5 o'clock hour. Um, I will absolutely continue to take your thoughts on it because I know some folks will continue to want to weigh in on this. I said yesterday, are you sure you don't want to just remain a little bit open-minded these last 31 games and just see what Steve Clifford can do with this group? That man looks like your buddy who got divorced at 51 out of a terrible relationship, and all of a sudden he looks and sounds like the guy you knew at 31. Like he, he looks like he got out of an abusive, awful marriage, an abusive, awful relationship, and he's sitting up there in the postgame last night just smiling, yucking it up. Having, actually having a good time with the media, talking about the stats and the guys that he likes and what's going well. And it's just like, th- this is a new dude. He looks like the guy who got out of a 20-year abusive relationship with, with an awful partner, and now he's got his freedom back, and he's got a new lease on life. And I don't know if it lasts, man, but, man, they won again. And they're doing they're playing smart basketball. They're doing things that make you want to tune in the next time and, and watch them again. And I'll be real with you. A week ago, I could not wait for the NBA trade deadline. I'm sorry, the NBA All-Star break. A week ago, I, I was I was eyeing this eight-day vacation as the host of the Charlotte Hornets pregame show, and I was like, man, I need that eight days. So I, I, I need my fix. Like, I need to get away from this basketball team. It is terrible. Like, there's no way to keep saying the same things over and over again. They don't play defense. They don't show a whole lot of care factor. They don't work very hard. Uh, they don't seem to be bothered by the fact that their head coach is about to have a coronary every single night begging them to show some effort and focus and, and now he brings in five new players, four role. Here's the best part about it, too. They brought in the Charlotte Natives, right? They bring in a shooter in Bertans. They bring in the former EuroLeague Player of the Year in Vasa Misic. They, they, they bring in, you know, some guys that can play. What they brought in, though, are role players, right? Now, I, I'm open to the possibility that Trey Mann ends up being more than that. But they brought in four veterans, or five players, four of which are veterans, all five, at least right now, I think, can rightly be looked at as role players. And it's one of the rare instances. And I heard Colin Hoggard say this earlier. And we were just talking about this before the show. How many times throughout the course of history? And I bet you haven't documented or cataloged most of them. So it might not be the easiest thing to go back and remember. But how many times in, in pro sports have you seen a team be sellers at the deadline and immediately get markedly better after the fact? It, it just really doesn't happen. 
And it speaks volumes about the locker room that was in place before the trade deadline. And, you know, to be clear, some of the guys who who went out, who were outgoing players at the deadline via trade or via being waived, I, I don't want to slander those guys, man. Like, Ish Smith is a great guy. He's a good leader. I don't blame him. I don't blame. I don't, I don't think Gordon Hayward was a problem in the locker room, but you know him not playing very often certainly wasn't a net positive. So I, I don't want to look at that entire group of guys and say good riddance to all of them. I would never say that about Ish Smith. But overall, right, the net result, players out, players in, has clearly led to an obvious, immediate, and like seismic change in culture and leadership and maturity and give a damn grant. And and look, it matters that Grant Williams and Seth Curry are home right back in Charlotte. I I think that in, in the trade that was made Thursday, if you substitute those guys for, you know, players of their same caliber guys with the same numbers, but different backgrounds, I don't know that it has the same effect, but that's not reality. That's what we've got here. Two guys from Charlotte Providence day, Charlotte Christian. They care about the team. They, They grew up on it. Uh, both of them in different ways, right? And and so you bring those guys in. You bring in the form, former EuroLeague player of the year who is a 30-year-old rookie. And that's a funny story, but the guy can hoop. Um, Bertans is a known commodity in the NBA. Uh, earlier today, I, 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 Hoggard's on fire today. He called him Latvian Oliver Anthony. And I, I can't unsee it because that's exactly what Davis Bertans is. He's, he's Latvian Oliver Anthony, and I love that. But I, I say all that to get to Trey Mann, too. And I put this out on Twitter last night. I asking the question, am I allowed to go ahead and get really friggin' excited about a LaMelo ball Trey man backcourt? Because I might already be there. I might already be there. And I, you know, the numbers that this young man is putting up in, in just three games since he got here, really impressive stuff. And he looks like there might be even more to his game, right? When it's all said and done last night, Trey Mann finishes with 21 points, eight rebounds, six assists. I think he's averaging seven assists a game in his first three as a Hornet. Goes for 21 last night. And look, without LaMelo on the floor, we're going to get to that. There are more shots available. Everybody's benefiting from that to an extent. But Trey Mann, a 21, eight, and six with a couple of steals as well. He's, he's on the plus side of the plus minus. He plays 30 minutes. He's four of five from deep. You know, he's giving them the kind of defensive effort there in the backcourt that they've been needing, but certainly will need moving forward. Uh, Trey Mann, that that young man has got me extremely excited about the future of the Hornets backcourt. Now, Smoke, you tell me. You tell me. What do you think? Are you as excited about Trey Mann and the possibility of Mann and and LaMelo together in the backcourt? Because I'm I'm looking in my head at a starting lineup potentially of LaMelo, Trey Mann, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams when this team is healthy. I may be in a little bit more hesitant because Trey Mann is kind of undersized, I believe. And I I don't want him playing two. And it kind of gets you back in a similar problem that you had with Terry of having an undersized two guard alongside LaMelo, so that is a concern, but I I absolutely love the idea of having LaMelo and then you go to Trey Mann off the bench. That idea I love, and even in spurts, you know, you can have them both on the court at the same time. Kyle, I'm not going to, you know, stretch the imagination. This is how much I love it, and I may have poo-pooed your idea there. Trey Mann might be the best backup point guard the Hornets have had since Jeremy Lin. Ooh. Ooh. And that's been nearly yeah, hold, a decade. Been, so, so after three games, you're willing to go there, huh? Potentially. The potential he has, yes. Okay. 
right. I, I got to say, first of all, Trey Mann. He's 21, too, so. Yeah. Or 22. He's 23. Oh, really? Yeah, Trey Mann's 23. Oh. Like somebody a minute ago asked on the text line, hey, where'd he come from? Where was man before? And go to college and draft position. Uh, you know, if you're not a big college basketball fan, you might not have heard of Trey Mann, but he played at Florida. Um, I think he came out in 2020, 2020? Is that no, what it 2021, because he was either two picks before Kai. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. But he was the 18th overall pick. In the, no, he was the pick before Kai Jones. Oh, wow. Trey Mann was the pick before Kai Jones, I believe, in the 2020, because they traded back up, the Hornets did, to 19 to take Kai Jones. Is that yep. right? Mm-hmm. And thank God. And, and for, I'll, I'll double check this, but I believe Trey, I believe Trey Mann was the 18th overall pick in that draft. I'm pretty sure he was. Just a reminder, thank God Mitch Kupchak put all those protections on that pick up until 2026, or Brandon Miller would not be here right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair point. I looked at it like that, but like the Trey man addition to the backcourt, man, I, I, I like it a lot. He might be the most important thing that they've done here from a, a, a production standpoint. And I got to push back a little, like, you know, he's bigger than Terry Rozier, right? Really? Like Terry's like six, one uh, Trey's listed at six, three. Okay. So now we can get into wingspan and, you know, vertical and all that stuff. Um, but I, I think Trey man is a more physically imposing athlete than Terry is. I, I do believe that. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the text line. Uh, Chase from Charlotte just said, Trey Mann's defense is good too. Better than Rozier's no-brainer starter with LaMelo. Um, <laughs> ditto. I don't know how I haven't thought of this. He says, he, he named it. The man ball backcourt. Has a ring to it. The man ball backcourt. You get the innuendo. 704-570-9610. Uh, Brian says, would it be accurate to say that Trey Mann is now our Scoot Henderson? That feels premature for a number of reasons, because we don't even know what Scoot Henderson is yet, and he was the third overall pick as, a, as opposed to 18. But he might be, he could be, a legitimate running mate for LaMelo in the backcourt, certainly if he continues to play like this. And speaking of, right, speaking of, I, it it sounds like, LaMelo ball is probably returning to the rotation after the NBA all-star break. Um, the spotlight is going to be on LaMelo ball when he returns. Think about this. I, I think the reason this is working for the Hornets right now, for now, at least is that they brought in, as we talked about five role players, four veterans to kind of play a support role for now around Brandon Miller and miles bridges and eventually LaMelo ball. Right, that that's partly why this works too. You know, on on the outgoing trade part, Terry Rozier is a guy who took a lot of shots now, like high volume stuff. Terry was shooting a lot, and that's okay. I mean, ter Terry had a lot of big nights, but you know, they they got rid of that. Gordon's a guy who's going to take a lot of shots when he's in the game most of the time. But the Hornets brought back some you know role guys, some backup piece, like second unit guys. What what Mitch Kupchak did, and I, I tell you what, Smoke, I'm not kidding about this. If the Hornets ever turn into anything. You know, in our wildest dreams, if the Hornets ever actually compete for and win a title, let's say in our wildest dreams, four years from now, three, four years from now, the Hornets win an NBA championship. And it's with this core that we're watching right now. They better give Mitch Kupchak a ring for what he did on Thursday right now. I know that's way off in the future, but I, I want to commend him for what he did here, because at the very least, from a basketball standpoint, what you've seen here is that Mitch Kupchak brought in, you know, role players, pieces, guys with roles and obviously maturity and professionalism to fit around the young core. Now, they're distributing the ball right now. What they have, 27 assists. I'm going to check the, the stats. I believe 27 assists last night on 89 made buckets. So it's not an extreme number, right? I'm sorry, 44. 
<laughs> Lest you get confused. No, they, they didn't score 178 points last night. Uh, 27 assists on 44 made buckets. They are just like, those are James Borrego Hornets offense type of numbers, right? We haven't really seen that from this group this year. They're sharing the basketball. They're productive on offense. By the way, Miller led all scorers last night with 26. How is LaMelo going to, to fold back into this? Will he be able to come in? And look, I, I don't know that it has to look pristine right away. You know, I'll give him some grace for a couple of games. You're coming back from an extended absence. You got new pieces around you. I don't, I don't think anybody should expect this to look perfect when he comes back, right? But there, I don't, listen, LaMelo does a lot of things well, but this is a different team. And I will be fascinated like many other people to watch him. The spotlight's going to be on him when he comes back. How are you going to fold into this now with a roster that just went 3-0 and for, you know, after the trade deadline with a brand new group of guys? 704-570-9610. You tell me what you think. The Hornets win again last night. Uh, they are now 3-0 and since the trade deadline and the, the players that they got showed up. Again, last Friday, they were blown out by the Bucs, but none of these new guys were able to dress in that one, so it's kind of a lost game. Since these players have shown up, they're 3-0. Uh, Cliff looks like he's got a new lease on life, like his blood pressure's dropped considerably in the last seven days. And how will LaMelo fold in when he returns? You, let's talk about it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Join the Mac and Bone Show on Friday. Daytona's here. We have full previews and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Boogity, boogity, boogity. with all the guys we brought in uh, I think it definitely opens up the floor because you know they, they, they all can shoot um, so I think that just I think that just brings another a defender to you know close out to them and just you know moving without the basketball I think that's uh, important to us you know just to spread everybody out so um, you know just attacking gaps is kind of um, what we're doing for now Brandon Miller says the new guys have brought better spacing. And if you listen to what he said there, you read between the lines. It's just a better situation, man. It's want to, it's care factor, it's culture. The one thing we've learned about Brandon Miller already in his rookie season, uh, as he has become arguably the second best rookie in the NBA this year behind Wimby, even if he's the third, it's only a technicality because we know the Chet Holmgren situation. Uh, but still, uh, you could tell the immediate difference in how Brandon Miller feels about the locker room that's around him now. The Hornets won again last night. They are 3-0 and since the new guys showed up post-trade deadline. They're playing a, a completely different brand of basketball. They are second in the NBA in defensive rating over the last three games. Now, before you uh, catch yourself screaming at me in the car, that's a small sample size, game. We, we all know, but that's the only sample size we've got. They, they brought five players in. Uh, the, the team looks very different. And in three games, they went from – what were they giving up, 120 a game? I think before the trade deadline, it was 120 a game that they were giving up. Yeah, around that area, at least. Around And last night, they gave up 99 points. They gave up 102 to the Hawks, which was a full 18 points under what the what – the, sorry, the Pacers. They, 18 points under what the Pacers were averaging on the season. And uh, before that, they held Memphis to 106. So – they're committed to the defensive end, but it's not like they're just, you know, gritting their teeth and bowing their necks on the defensive end much more. So they're just playing smarter basketball, right? They're not turning the ball over at as much in critical times. They turned it over probably too much against the Pacers on Monday, 
um, but it wasn't in the critical moments. So you like to see that sort of stuff. And, and Brandon Miller, clearly these moves were made to retool, refocus around him. Sam Farber used that word the other night on the pregame show with us, and I like it. They've refocused around Brandon Miller, um, Miles Bridges for now, LaMelo Ball, who is also a big part of the conversation right now. And what I mean by that is I said before the break, hey, Brandon Miller, sorry, LaMelo Ball is going to have a spotlight on him, right? He's going to have a spotlight on him when he comes when he comes back from injury, presumably after the trade deadline. Because LaMelo, we all know he's an individual talent. We know what the numbers look like. We know what he's played like this year when he wasn't injured, when he hasn't been injured. But this team is built differently now, right? Brandon Miller's thriving because of it, right? Miles Bridge is also getting his numbers too, but LaMelo's the $200 million man. He was the presumed centerpiece until Brandon Miller showed up. And that's where, again, I'm going to split with some of you on my text line who are sending in things like this. Conspiracy King, where is he? Uh, Conspiracy King says he thinks Mello messed the flow up. He says, I say ditch Mello for a more focused player. Mello doesn't fit. Mello shoots too many wild and necessary threes. Trade him next season in a blockbuster trade where he goes to L.A. Russell, Richards, and Picks go to Cleveland, and Donovan Mitchell comes to Charlotte with Allen? Okay. Um, Jared Allen. Jared Allen. There's a lot right there. I, for some reason, I thought he meant to say Miller, but yeah, that makes sense. Jared Allen. Uh, I, I don't agree with the trade Mello guys. I'm not with you on that, right? I'm with you on some of the criticism of, hey, you're a $200 million man now. You've been in the league for four years. It's time to grow up and be a leader. All that stuff. No more laughing down 25 points. I understand that human nature is human nature. I'm not here to pile on him. I I'm rooting for LaMelo. I think he's a talented guy. And I absolutely still think he's part of the core of this team. Some of y'all don't agree. Mint Hillbilly saying trade him to blah. You got to have multiple superstar type players on a team to win a championship in the NBA and Brandon Miller hasn't even reached all-star status yet. So we can't call him that LaMelo has been an all-star. We're not calling him that, but he's 22 years old. He's 22 and plenty of guys. Folks reference Steph Curry all the time. The ankle injuries early in his career, figured out a way to, to get around it, figured out a way to overcome it. You know, started wearing the braces, you know, got more work done in the weight room, stem cell therapy, whatever they've been doing. Like these guys figured it out. LaMelo's got to do the same thing. He is too talented. As 336 number here just said, LaMelo's too talented to, to give up on. You don't get rid of 22-year-old All-Stars. No, you don't. You don't. 704 number says, Melo's not a team player. Well, I am more than willing, especially since his max extension has not kicked in yet, I'm more than willing to give him the benefit of the doubt for now and allow him a chance to continue to grow up. I, I know it's tough for some people to put themselves in the shoes of these guys. Of course it is. Nobody's offered you a $200 million contract to play sports. But I often try to remember what I was like 16 years ago when I was 22 years old and what I might have been like at 22 years old if somebody gave me a $200 million contract. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, focus all over the place. Girls, business ventures, shiny cars. All I, I want to give LaMelo and, and a lot of these guys the benefit of the doubt. And here's a big reason why with LaMelo is that even if you question his desire to win, you know, to be the alpha dog leader, however you want to frame, e even if you doubt those things, he's still incredibly talented at the end of the day. And that's what, that is the most important reason why at 22 years old, you let him figure it out, at least for a while longer. It's not as if he's been, I don't think anyway, a net negative on this organization by any stretch. But yeah, now that he's gotten the money, he's gotten the max deal, it is fair to expect more. It is fair to be critical of LaMelo. 
They gave you the keys, young buck. You are the face of the organization. They need you to act like it, act accordingly, play accordingly, and be at least one of the adults in the room. Start to be one of the adult voices in the room. That's all. That, that's what people are asking of you, especially now that they see the 19, 20-year-old rookie out of Alabama already exhibiting those, those personality traits, those characteristics. Brandon Miller has already shown us that. He goes for 26 last night again. A game high. The man is leading all rookies in the NBA in points and three-pointers here in the month of February. He has been tremendous. And just in case you didn't hear it or need a reminder, you know, a guy who knows a thing or two about the NBA, J.J. Redick earlier this week, predicted that Brandon Miller will be an all-NBA player. I talked to I talked to some people in the Hornets organization. It's like, I can see this guy. I can see what I see on the court. What's this guy like? Here's Here's some words thrown around. Smart. Great IQ, competitor, coachable, great teammate, detail-oriented, detail-oriented as a rookie. Come on, man. Buy this yeah. guy's stock. Buy this guy's stock because it physically he has it. Skill-wise, he's he has it. You have two of the three boxes checked. If you've got it up here, if you've got it in the mindset, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be an all-star, all-NBA type player for years. Agreed. That's how good that's how good Brandon Miller can be. That was a couple of NBA guys by the way. JJ Redick and Tim Legler. Both agree. Brandon Miller's going to be an all-NBA guy. Smitty from the city just said KB Miller will be very good or will very soon be the face of this franchise though. He's already as good as LaMelo. Okay. And I feel very this feels like a very rudimentary, very simple rebuttal to what you just said. I don't mean to be insulting when I say it, but doesn't it need to be said that you need more than one? I think LeBron kind of proved that the first time yeah, he was in Cleveland. Man, you need more than one. Kobe needed Shaq. Jordan needed Pippen. Steph needed Clay. I, I, I mean, AD needed both. Like, title teams need a number two and a number three who usually are at least all star caliber players, you know, if not having a second superstar to run alongside number one. And LaMelo can be that. It's just he's got to stay healthy, and I think he's gonna got to improve, which in some scenarios. But I think he will. And people complaining about the shot selection, I get that. But also, you know, I think part of that slot selection was out of him thinking, well, I, I just got to do this because no one else is really going to do this when it comes to some of his dumb shots. Because, like, I mean, you can say what you will about his three-point shots, but he was still pretty high in terms of th- – efficiency Lamelo, yeah. yeah i mean the numbers 38 some of the numbers are good yeah. i mean it, he became very quickly one of the best catch and shoot guys in the league there for a stretch um i think the numbers dipped when he came back and he started the season without a training camp and um <laughs> and, and you know it was a slow sluggish start to the season but he picked it right back up yeah once he stole the ball from Halliburton. Right. And then he had about a two three week stretch where he was just dominant yep i mean it was dropping 30 35 a night so let's just, Sam by the Lake just said, let's not repeat breaking up Zoe and LJ, please, Charlotte. Look, we don't know that that's what that is yet, but to your point, Sam, yet it, I, the people that want to trade LaMelo, to, it's crazy. That's crazy to me. I understand your concerns, and if a, if a year from now the kid's only played in, you know, 21 games at this, yeah, deal him. I get it. At that, But at 22? At 22? With his God-given talent. Come on, man. You know what? Maybe the best thing for him is to be Robin to Miller's Batman. Maybe that's where he he thrives the most, to be able to play loose and free, control the tempo, run the offense, but the offense runs through Miller first. It's not a bad thing necessarily. It's not. 
And, and I think that, you know, fans need to some anyway, not all of you, some need to kind of step back and survey for a second what what they've got here and stop trying to run one of the guys out the door before we find out what he grows into as an adult. Um, bag fries guy says KB. I usually agree with most of your points, but couldn't we get a number two star that just fits better? Well, let's start. Let's start here. Bag fry. It's bag fries guy in Monroe. When you say just fits, I love your name. Bag fries guy in Monroe. When you say that a number two that just fits better, why do you think Lamelo doesn't fit? What about Lamelo doesn't fit at the point guard position? He's first and foremost a floor general and a ball distributor, who's jump shot and perimeter shooting has come along over the last couple of years. Uh, and he's six, seven at that with impeccable court vision and just natural touch that most players can't lay claim to. So like when you say a number two star that just fits better, how does LaMelo not fit alongside Brandon Miller? That I don't understand. I, I, I can't, I personally can't craft an argument where they don't fit. Now here's where I might start to agree with you is if LaMelo comes back and he feels his territory is being encroached upon and, you know, he goes back to chucking logo threes, you know, and, and taking inefficient shots, then we got a problem. That's why I said the spotlight's going to be on him when he comes back. But when you say he doesn't fit, how does he not fit right now? None of this team fit together at all before the trade deadline. I think we got to find out what he looks like now with a reshaped roster where they brought in veteran role players and have actually made a concerted effort to allow the young stars to be young stars surrounded by veteran role players. That's all. Uh, Mitt Hillbilly says, Melo doesn't care about wins. That's why he doesn't fit KB. Well, he was a part of a 43-win team. The, you know, one of the leaders of it. From a production standpoint. That's uh, one of the five most winningest teams in this century for the Hornets. I, I don't get it. I, I <laughs> People just nitpick way too much in some of these situations. Sure. Like there are legit criticisms, as you've mentioned, but well, he doesn't want to win. Like I don't know, man. He just—I think he does want to win. It's just—it's kind of hard to, you know, you don't want to convey that too much because then people are like, oh, he's pouting. Well, he's because literally, you guys want to say that, but I bet a lot of those people that are complaining about it were the same ones. Like, look at Cam with his towel. Loser. We gotta get to Cam, by the way. We yeah. we uh, we gotta. We got to get to Cam, by the way. I have that audio for uh, when we get to it. I, I just think, th I believe that they've made some moves at the deadline. It is rare, as I heard Hoggard say earlier, to, to watch a team be sellers at the deadline and get better. Like, immediately, demonstrably better. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Um, also, a few people still, Mint Hillbilly, Conspiracy King, others saying, KB, we're not questioning LaMelo's talent. We're questioning his mindset. Okay. None of us live inside the mind of 22-year-old LaMelo Ball. That sounds like a place where, you know, it's not 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 suitable for everybody. And I say that lovingly. Um, I also, again, would say, remember who you were at 22 years old. Remember who you were. That, that's all I'm asking you. Remember who you were at 22 years old. And then ask if the weight of a $3 billion franchise was placed on your shoulders at 22 years old. Would you immediately do and say all the right things? That's all. That's all. Uh, conspiracy thing. King says Brandon Miller's young too. Yes, he is. Which is why I think there's a very real possibility that he becomes the number one on this team and is right now. But that doesn't mean that makes LaMelo expendable or that it makes him, you know, far less valuable than he actually is. And I, I think with what they've got here and some of the players they've brought in, they've got a chance to continue doing what they're doing and carry some real momentum 
into next season. And that's what Charlotte fans want. Hell, that's what Grant Williams wants. He said yesterday he wants Charlotte back to what it was at the old hive off Tyvola back in the 90s and early aughts where the place was rocking. Yeah, I'm excited for this group to really show Charlotte that we have something here and, you know, get get the people back because I'm moving back in the 90s and, you know, 2000. Charlotte led the league in attendance numbers. Yeah. And they were there screaming, let's go Hornets. They weren't there screaming for any other team. Yeah. And I remember playing for Boston and coming home and them screaming, let's go Celtics, let's go Mavericks. And it kind of not it, it didn't piss me off at the time because I was playing for those teams, but it pisses me off now because – um, I know what we can do, and we haven't necessarily put the product out there yet, but I know that we're going to do it for this, this city, this this team, and I'm excited for these fans to really understand that the Hornets are going to be back here really soon. There you go. Grant Williams yesterday on the Mac and Bone Show. It was a uh, tremendous, tremendous conversation. Real quick, King McQueen on the text line, the fan duel text line, says Cam and LaMelo are nothing alike. Cam literally played a game after flipping his truck. Well, I, I don't have time for a full-blown conversation on this, and we will have a full-blown conversation about this, But because a lot of people probably haven't heard this yet, and I can't believe that he said what he said. Yes, I can't believe he addressed it the way that he did. Cam Newton on his podcast yesterday said he absolutely should have jumped on that fumble in the Super Bowl. Right, we got to play this for people, right? Let's play it real quick. You got it over there? Let me know when. I put you on the spot here. Give me Cam yesterday on this podcast. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. It ain't no excuse for me not jumping on the fumble. Okay. I should have jumped. Okay. So I'm not even going to give you something because that will be the take that somebody so, yeah. I should have jumped on the fumble. Okay. Straight up. There's no it, the competitor in me, if that happens again, duh. You know what I'm saying? And the this is the Super Bowl. Facts. All effort goes to like, yo, Super Bowl energy. That wasn't Super Bowl energy. And I think that is what hurts the most. It's like, yo, you don't get an opportunity to go back. It's not promised for you to go back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because the next year, that's when the shoulder injury happened. And oh, the year yeah. following that, that's when the foot injury happened. So you don't necessarily know when it's going to be your time when it's again. Gonna be your time. Like, that was your time to seize the moment. Carpe diem, the words that I live by. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't. So, you know, looking back at it, you will never have an opportunity again. There you go. I, I heard that for the first time early this morning, up early. Listen to the Mac and Bone Radio Extravaganza here on WFNZ. And I, I, I can't wait to talk about it later. I couldn't believe it. But anyway, for right now, we go to smoke on the headlines. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Who is smoke? Where is smoke? (laughs) Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's go. What's the latest, big guy? All right. Well, big news if you're a video game fan for sports. EA Sports officially announced that college football 25 is back. After 11 years, we are officially getting a college football video game once again, well, they'll have a full reveal in May of this year. Did you see the re- you saw the release video? Of course you did. Yes. That release trailer, phenomenal. Just mwah, perfectly done. Like they acknowledged all the, the criticisms and the questions about whether or not the game would ever come back. Uh, they went through all the right jerseys. They made the right references. They're just so good. It's It truly is the only video game that I've ever cared, like actually, I think cared about, and they've been consistently good. Like e- I, even though I don't trust EA Sports, me and my college roommate 
we played Tiger Woods 04 until the thing broke. 06, I'm sorry. We played Tiger Woods 06 until it broke. Big fan of Ken Griffey Jr. baseball on Super Nintendo as a kid. Loved it. I got Halo when the first Xbox came out. That was the last gaming system I ever owned, by the way. But I didn't love any of them the way that I love NCAA college football. Is it the greatest college football? Is it the greatest video game ever made? Some say it is. Some say. Smoke what you got. Also, uh, last night was qualifying for the Daytona 500. And, of course, only the front two two spots were occupied and are etched in stone. Joey Logano won the poll as Michael McDowell is starting second. They will be the pole sitters for tonight's duel at Daytona. Also, both of them, Fords. Well, doesn't get more American than that, does it? The Blue Oval. There's a Ford man myself. Twice over, I'm proud. Yeah, with the new look Mustang, too. Yep. Is that it? That's it. All right, we'll come back. Carla Gebhardt, Queen City News. We're going to Daytona twice today, by the way. Uh, Carla Gebhardt, we talk about the local stuff and the race. She's in Daytona all week for Speed Week. We'll talk about that. We also, at 5 o'clock, check in with a man who's taken a victory lap in 2024. One of the iconic voices of NASCAR, the president and anchor of Performance Racing Network, Doug Rice, announced that he will retire at season's end. And, boy, the NASCAR community has some things planned for his, his victory lap, including... He gets to check Daytona off his list on Sunday. Doug Rice is going to be on the call for at least a portion of the Daytona 500 on Sunday as an homage to him, right? A nod to him. He's also going to be the Grand Marshal in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. We got we got Doug stopping by at 5 o'clock. But Carla Gebhardt next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Radio 92.7 WFNZ KB and Smoke with you here on a Thursday afternoon. Unfortunately, uh, Carla Gebhardt has to push to maybe later in the week. We'll, we'll see what happens with her. She's in Daytona, but fortunately for us, we got a backup Daytona plan. Doug Rice, President Anchor, Performance Racing Network, coming up in about an hour and fifteen minutes, live from Speed Week. We'll talk to Doug uh, about a race that he typically doesn't call, but he will be calling a portion of it on Sunday. A little bit of cross-pollination with the guys at MRN. MRN, PRN, two separate NASCAR radio networks, but uh, they recognize a legend. Game recognized game, right? So Doug Rice is going over from PRN to MRN on Sunday to call a bit of the race at Daytona. We'll talk about what that means to him in a Hall of Fame broadcasting career, no doubt. And we'll talk about the race itself. Uh, Smoke, you, you've been following all week long. You, you can't stop talking about the race on Sunday. I don't blame you. Do you well, think you'll actually get to, get to watch a race on Sunday? Uh, I've been looking at the forecast all week. Unfortunately, this isn't the speed weeks of old where you had a full week of practice qualifying because usually qualifying would have been on Sunday, uh, but now it's more abbreviated. But uh, I, tonight we're going to learn a lot. But I, looking at the chances, Bob Pockers, who's probably the best in the business when it comes to NASCAR news, uh, broke down all the stuff and said that Saturday, I think it's about 75% chance of rain. So I don't know if the Xfinity series will get to race in. But Sunday, last I checked of his, uh, 50% chance of rain, but 25% in the afternoon. So 
might be a little bit of delay. Don't know, but also this is Florida we're talking about, and the track's right near the beach. So those things can change on in an instant. It's just going to be one of those years, Kyle, where we might have to wait and look at the radar throughout the whole entire day. Unfortunately, NASCAR has gotten used to that recently. Well, yeah, I mean, it feels like if it's a Sunday in the spring or the summer, that it's probably going to rain wherever NASCAR is. Even in California. Yeah. I mean, they, they brought the class to California, and damn near record-breaking record floods entered the L.A. area. I was going to say that the Pineapple Express popped up right about that. I mean, that's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. But Daytona 500 on Sunday, Doug Rice coming up at 5 o'clock. We'll talk all about it. Very excited about that. Uh, to check in with Doug. And unfortunately, Carla won't be able to join us today. If we can squeeze her in tomorrow, we will. But if not, we'll catch up with her next week, as we typically do uh, each and every Thursday afternoon. But since we've been throwing a little bit of a curveball here, I do want to talk about something that that Julius Peppers was asked about yesterday during his uh, Zoom press conference with local media after he was named a first ballot Pro Football Hall of Famer late last week. Uh, Pep jumped on a conference call with, I mean, mo- I think mostly Charlotte, Carolina media. There were probably some national media in there, too. I wasn't able to jump on this one. But Pep was asked specifically um, about dual sport athletes. And anybody who knows anything about Julius Pepper's career knows that he was not just a standout, you know, all-American college football Hall of Fame level player. You know, he was a great college basketball player, too. And I, I should say great basketball player by normal standards, a very good player at Carolina. Uh, some believe he could have played in the NBA. We just don't see as much of that anymore. And Pep was asked why he thinks that is. The reason I think you don't see it as much is because everybody is selfish with the time, right? Even even when I was playing, my coach, Coach Bunting, the football coach at the time, he wanted me to come back to spring practice, spring football, and stuff like that. So nowadays, it's like, like it's year-round. Sports is year-round, especially football. So... I think you don't see it as much for for that for that reason. It's that simple. Nobody, everybody's selfish with the time. Nobody wants to give it up. I, nobody wants to give it up. Do you think we're past the era? Will, will we ever see another era, another crop of great dual sport athletes again? And, and there were, and I don't want to pretend like there were that many of them to begin with. Right. But there were more of them than we see today by far. Right. I mean, where is today's Bo Jackson? Seriously, where where is today's Julius Peppers? Will I, we ever see it again? I mean, the where's closest, Deion Sanders? That's fair. I mean, the closest we've seen, I'd say, in the past ten to fifteen years, was Kyler Murray and Jameis Winston. Yeah, those are the two. And even then, like, I don't know how many people remember that Jameis was actually a pitcher in the ACC team. Jameis was a very good Division One ACC pitcher. Right. He was not going to be. He in, was not yeah. major league caliber. Kyler was. Kyler could have been. Yeah. yeah. Now, Kyler was not going to jump straight to the bigs. Like, he was going to need some development in the minor leagues. But scouts felt like Kyler Murray had a shot. I mean, he was comped with with Ricky Henderson by some people. I mean, which that's a projection, right? Probably because he got drafted by the A's. I think that might have played a factor. Fair, fair. Um, But, like, Kyler Murray's – Russell Wilson couldn't hit a curveball, but he was otherwise a pretty good – I mean, Russell was a very good baseball player otherwise. Um, Just he couldn't hit a breaking ball, among other things. So, like, who are the? Will we ever see another crop of all-time great dual sport athletes? 704-570-9610. Let me know. I, I'm curious what people think about this because the point that Pep just made right there: if you're an NFL team and you draft a quarterback 
that can play baseball. Let's just go there because there's a ton of crossover between football and baseball. A lot of quarterbacks play baseball. Um, a lot of guys who play football play baseball and vice versa. If you draft a guy to play quarterback, you're going to let him spend any portion of his year training for another sport, playing another sport? I, I don't think quarterbacks ever could. Could a running back like Bo get away with it? Could a wide receiver get I mean, we, we talk about running backs being expendable, right? They're, they're replaceable. So I, I don't know. Like, Is the selfishness of these organizations protecting their assets going to prevent us from ever seeing more all-time great athletes, dual-sport athletes? Uh, 704 number said, you know, Charlie Ward. Well, Charlie's interesting because many of us believe that you know, Charlie in today's day and age probably ends up in the NFL as opposed to the NBA. But Charlie wasn't big enough back then to meet the, the standards, the threshold of the prototypical NFL quarterback physically. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure Charlie's talked about this. Maybe he's given a definitive answer, but there are a lot of people who think otherwise. Allen Iverson's another one. Allen Iverson. I know a lot of folks do know this. Allen Iverson was an amazing high school quarterback. Just an amazing high school quarterback. Went to Bethel High School out there in Virginia Beach, the Hampton Roads area. Same kind of thing as Charlie Ward, though. Dual threat, not 6'4", not 225. It didn't meet the, the standard of the physically prototypical NFL quarterback. I, I don't know. I miss it, if I'm being honest with you. I miss it. And Alex and Steel Creek says we won't see it again. Too much specialization in youth pro sports. I mean, there's... There's <laughs> a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. 704-570-9610. I'm just trying to think. All-time great. I mean, you, you can go way back in the annals of history. Jackie Robinson was like a four-sport. Did he letter in four sports at UCLA? I know track was one of them. Yeah, he was football, baseball, at least three. For trying to forget. I want to say it was four. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Multi-sport. Well, Wilt Chamberlain, actually. More, more yeah, appropriate. Heck. Someone called and mentioned, I completely forgot Pat Connaughton was a baseball player. Oh, Pat Connaughton was a very yeah, good baseball player. I mean, heck, player. Notre Dame's had two of those guys. Except, um, Jeff Samarja. Jeff Samarja, yep. Yep, was a hell of a wide receiver in uh, college, was a better pro in the MLB, went to the MLB, played nearly a decade in the majors. It's just, when you look at the the all-time list of these guys, they, they are somewhat rare, historically speaking, but there were enough of them that it was a thing. We don't have them anymore. Like Todd Helton just went in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Todd Helton was a really good football player. Did he back? He backed up Peyton at Tennessee, right? Yeah, and that makes me think. You talk about all-time great quarterbacks. Remember who was uh, Brady fighting for the quarterback job for at Michigan? Drew Henson, right? Yes. And he was a baseball player too. Yes. Yes. So you just don't see it as much anymore. I think it's also one of those things where. Oh, Jim Brown's another one, by the way. It's just football, lacrosse, did it all. Unfortunately, I think in the middle school and high school level, a lot of these people get told. Hey, you know, only play one sport, which I think is wrong. And a lot of these kids believe it. And you don't see as many multi-sport athletes anymore. I, I mean, you still see them, but it's nowhere near. I mean, it used to be near universal that people were playing at least two to three sports. Like it just depended on the season. All right. Basketball seasons now. All right. Spring, we're in baseball season, summer. I don't know. Maybe get ready for football season or you still playing baseball in the American Legion. Then, uh, you know, falls football. You just don't see that much anymore. No, Big C, real quick. Big, we got to hit a break. Big C says, I've always coached my guys and said, do what's best for you. But if you want a shot at professional sports, it's best to get really good in one than kind of good in two. Yeah, but, wh but what do you mean by that? Because I don't want my 12-year-old playing baseball year-round. 
My, my brother coaches and, and played baseball professionally. He will not let my nephew play year-round. Won't do it. Now, he'll take him to get some batting practice in, throw a bullpen in December. Like They, they won't get completely rusty, but you know, he doesn't want his son playing the same sport year-round. I don't want mine playing the same sport year-round. I, I don't think it's necessary. Anyway, I thought what Pep said there was fascinating. Hour number two next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.